this whole thing of Seichel, and I want to go a little bit further. Um, the relationship between our own ability to generate understanding of the world around us and to live in accordance with it, which is a theme that we've been speaking about, and the relationship to Torah, we're going to start exploring that. There are three, what are called in English, the three cardinal avarians, the three cardinal sins, which are idolatry, adultery, and murder, which even though in the rest of the Torah, the person is obligated to do anything, even to transgress every possible um, avaria and not to, not to give up his life, the exception to the rule of these three sins. Persons are forced at the cost of his life to worship idols. He has to give up his life to commit adultery and to murder someone else. Um, so, so he's obligated to, to, to give up his life and not to commit the veil. Now, the first one of idolatry is learned out from Pasuk. So the first one is that it's an explicit Pasuk. The Boreolam says to us that um, wants an un, unbridled love. And I feel a note with you have to love a for so much, which is an interesting Makora for giving, giving up your life for Avodah Zorah. That means that to give it up at all, at all costs. That's Avodah Zorah. How do we learn out Gilarais and Shvichus Where does that come from? So the Gemara says, explains that we start off with, with, with Shvichus Dami. How do you know if someone puts a gun to your head and says, if you don't kill Ploini, I will kill you, that you have to give up your life? So the Gemara says the Svara, Mi Who says your blood is redder than his? Maybe his blood is redder than yours. Meaning, who says that you have any advantage over him than he has over, over you? And therefore, you can't say that my life is more precious than I have to save it at the expense of his. Maybe his life is more precious. And since there's no way of you making that decision, therefore you have to give up your life. That's a Svara why a person has to give up his life um, for for murder, and um, how do we know Gilarais? It's from a pasuk because the pasuk says Ki yakum Like a man would come to murder someone else. That's what this thing is, and this thing is referring to adultery of Benari Murasa. And so the Gemara says, well, just like murder, you have to give up your life in order to. It's like murder, you have to give up your life and not, and not, and not um, do the vera. So too, when it comes to um, Gilarais, you have to give up your life and not do the vera. So the Teresa Avram points out that two out of the three of the exceptions to the rule of every other myth in the Torah are learned out from Svara. There's no pasuk. All the positive start, the positive connects Ritzicha to Gilarais, but Ritzicha is a spur. So two out of the three mitzvahs that you have to give up your life for are based on way of thinking. There's no verse. The verse is subsidiary. In other words, the Torah relies on the Svara as a source to the verse. That's huge. That's huge. I was shot in the Svara. I mean, Ram answered. Good kasha. There are people who are more valuable than others. If you have a person who's a chvesi um, shvos, he's a he's a he's a person that 
I don't know. You know, like, who's more valuable? Me or, me or Rebchan Kanievsky? Rebchan Kanievsky, I would say. So, so, under those circumstances, isn't his life more valuable than mine? You know, in other words, what's a svara? So, Bavram explains a svara that the reason why Adam Arishan was created as a single being is to recognize for everyone that um, is to recognize to everyone that just like there's no, since Kiyu Adam Rishon was the father of all humanity, so no humanity has an up against another. We all come from the same place. It's bizarre. It's almost like this of, of anti-racist Torah. Like, you know, who says your blood is redder than mine? So my skin may be blacker than yours, but why is my blood any less red than your blood? It's this idea that we all share a single origin, and therefore, fundamentally, no one's better than anyone else. And the reason why Adam was nivra yechidi is that there should be what's called kinah by my celebrations, that someone should be, have, be able to one-up man the other person, say, well, I'm better than you because I come from that. Imagine there'd be like three people created and one would be better than the other. So I come from Adam number two, who was better than Adam number one. No, we all come from the same place. And therefore, fundamentally, the, the greatness that any person may display individually in his life can't eclipse the greatness of being a human being that comes from other Mauritians. There's no eclipsing that. And therefore, no one is better than anyone else. And therefore, you can never take away someone's life experience of your own. Dad, what you say? It's also with non-Jews that you, it's, it's murder, you can't kill them. Um, that's a great question. So I, I think according to most you're showing him, the issue of Loisiratach is both by a Jew and a non-Jew. So it would be interesting to know, I, I would assume that according to those we're showing him, but let's say, we'd have to ask it, that this would apply to any human being. Um, but we have to clarify that. Okay? But that, that's the Svara, right? The Svara comes from Adam Arishan, not from Avram Avinu. Um, good. Good, good. So now, then on this side, Avram has a Kasha. His Kasha is, well, you could say, in other words, he's trying to bring a riot to the power of stam intellect. That's a svara. That didn't come from a apostle. But he says you could argue that even though that svara itself wasn't written in the apostle, but the value that it's based on is certainly of biblical origin. The notion of the Bria of Adam Arishai. So you can perhaps argue that that's not called a svara because it's a svara which is you know, in the Torah. The svara is extrapolated from a basic idea of how the Torah presents the vision of humanity. So it brings another eye. There's another eye. The Gemara Baba Kama says, we have a fundamental legal principle. It's called that the one that's coming to extract, to demand payment from someone else who has the money, the person who's extracting always has to bring the proof. The onus of proof is on the person that's claiming, not the one being claimed from. So if I go over to you and I say, you owe me $100, the burden of proof is on me, not on you. You don't have to prove that you don't own $100. I have to prove that I do own $100. Where do we get that from? So the Gemara wants to bring the pasuk. It says, "Me Gemara starts with the pasuk. The Gemara asks this powerful question. This is not the only time in Shas where the Gemara asks it. The Gemara says, Why do I need a pasuk? It makes sense. Meaning, 
that logic is more powerful than the pasuk. Meaning, when I have logic, I don't need the pasuk. That seichel trumps sukim kiilu. And this pasuk, the Gemara says, the svara says the kaivla kaiva as in the beasia. That person that is in pain, person who's sick, he'll go to the doctor. In other words, the svara for meisim mechavel varaya is the one who has the problem seeks the solution. Not the one who doesn't have the problem. So when I come to you and I say you owe me hundred dollars, who has a problem over here? You is in possession of the hundred dollars, or me that say you owe it to me. I have the problem. So therefore, the onus is on me to solve my problem. I've got the issue. Just like the person who's sick goes to the doctor, not someone who's not sick goes to the doctor. Someone who is sick goes to the doctor. The person who has a problem needs to find a way of solving it. I don't have any problem. I don't hold it out you any money. You have a problem. You find out the solution. That's just a normal svara. It's got nothing to do with Torah values. That's got to do with Norman human behavior. And since that's an inbred svara in the way that we function as human beings, so now when you can extrapolate from that svara to apply to a legal context and it becomes binding in halacha to the degree that we knock out a potential possible to tell me the same thing by saying it's unnecessary because that svara indicates that there must be a whole world of svara that is not mentioned by the Torah. Because if it's a svara, the Torah doesn't speak about it. The Torah starts speaking when svara stops. That's huge. That's massive and gigantic. That means that our respect for our own reasoning of how we function in life has to be of, of um, the same hierarchy as our respect towards Torah. In other words, each one is as binding and as, as severe and as weighty and as powerful. That is so, so huge because it means like, let's say, for example, a person who's being irresponsible and he's not going to the doctor even though he's sick. He's not, he's not taking care of himself. So, so that's inherently, deeply against humanity. And that obligation is more inherent. So now you see that, but why wouldn't the person take care of his own health? Well, obviously there's something interfering. So now you start to get a sense that what the midas do to us is collapse our internal sense of um, humanity. Imagine you have like a little kid that says, no, no, I'm, going, I'm not going to the doctor. I'm scared of going to doctors. But he's sick. You, that, that's not like, that, that's a swara. I don't want to go to the doctor. I'm sick. But that's not a swara because there's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no logic to that reasoning. So you see that we, we very often use, use um, a form of reasoning which is against seichel. And we live by that form of reasoning. And over here you see how the most fundamental shift we need to make in our life, before we even think about, or as long, alongside, or as well as, or together, or, we have to recognize that, you know, trying to become halachically obedient without be, trying to become intellectually obedient is nonsensical. Because in a certain way, the intellectual obedience has a pre, almost a, a preeminence to the Torah itself. In other words, the way the Bura Olam has communicated his will through my own internal reasoning capacity is even more binding on a fundamental level than the Torah itself. The Torah like, starts off where that finishes, but that's fundamental. So now if you have a person that's acting irresponsibly in his life and then he's being from, so to understand how that's a toxic and ridiculous combination because it doesn't make any sense. In other words, 
this is this whole point that life is to make sense. And then the 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 brother Vram takes it further by explaining that that's the point of Gemara, which is such a reassuring turn. Um, where he says, um, where is it? There we go. He says that halacha is always a prat. So what did you do in this area? But in order to make that relevant to my life right now, I have to extrapolate the cloud. But how do I ever get to the cloud? I have to be able to identify the components available in the given prat, and from them I have to extract a way of behaving in new situations. So examples, we have, we have multiple examples in, in every Gemara we've learned, but since we are learning Marcus, let's think about an example in Marcus. Um, in Marcus, we'll think about the way that we use this kind of reasoning to dismantle Barapadus Kalvuchoymer. Barapadus Kalvuchoymer, that Egin Zoymim should be exempt from Ben Gushim and Chalutza because a coin himself that creates a situation of a chilu in his children isn't affected by his deeds. The Edim who only intend to do so, they only have an intention to create that kind of situation with a person, to invalidate him, so surely they shouldn't be affected. Affected. And Ravina says, your Kalvachem is flawed. According to Rashi, this is the way it's learned. Because in the regard to Edim Zoymanim, since the Torah makes them liable for their intention and not for their action, you see that the normal characteristic hierarchy of intention being less powerful than action is flipped. And ironically, in Adim Zoymimim, intention is of a higher value and action is of a lower value. Meaning when they actually get their will carried out, that has less implication to when they only wanted to get their will carried out. So what has Ravina done? He's taken the example of Adim Zoymimim and he's extracted a principle of a hierarchy of intention versus action, which is the flip of every other area in the Torah. And he's extrapolated that from looking how Adim Zoymim operate, and not being bound to a particular situation or a particular crime in a particular place, but saying, what does this tell me about intention? And what does it tell me about action? Wow, normally the hierarchy is intention is weak, action is strong, or if action is weak, intention is strong. So the, when he does that, he can dismantle other reasonings and therefore, um, introduce the idea that you need, in, in the context of Barpada, you need a posse because the, the Svara doesn't work. But even Barpada's Svara is fascinating because he said, why do I need the posse? I have a rationale to come to the same conclusion without a posse, which would be way better. And then, of course, what Ravini is doing is he's saying, your rationale is based on an um, illogical view of how Aiden Zermin works. And of course, my father would defend himself and say it's not, etc., etc., etc. Good. So that's um, that's something which which is which is just hammering this point home, and now in the context of Torah, that oh my gosh, like how does this make me feel? This makes me feel excited because I realize that there's an there's a safer Torah inside of me that I can, if I learn to know it and I learn to listen to it, it's going to transform me as a human being. And how can I learn to listen to it? How can I hear its voice and not just time I get distracted by the interference in my system, it makes me um, feel
feel valuable, that it's very uplifting to have this notion of what it means to be, to be a, a human. It means to be a person that has this immense font of wisdom that I carry around with me constantly. That's ennobling, very powerful. That's, that's, so, so we'll go a bit further with this, but I think so far, like, it makes everything sink. You know, why were Avinaravashi so stuck on, why didn't they just teach us Pisgah Lochas? Why, why, why is it, why is Gomorrah the bread and butter of Jewish learning and not the Rambam? Well, the answer is because the Rambam doesn't teach you how to refine your Seichel. And Seichel is where it's all at. Because when you know Kola Torah Kula, the Halacha, you still don't know anything about, well, how should I phrase this comment to this person in this situation? I don't know. There's no Halacha about that. Well, that's because you haven't activated the incredible Shulchan Aruch of your Seichel that has Halacha for every single breath you take. Every cake you bake, every egg you break, the Seichel will be watching you. Okay. So sorry about the interrupted um, beginning. Um, Aries asks, is it possible to have a contradiction between Svara and Torah? Um, it's possible to have a, a reasoning which is against the Torah that Torah comes to exclude, but not a basic fundamental principle of the way that life should be lived. In other words, there are times when the term may say, you thought that this should be the approach to this given situation. No, the approach should be different. Um, for example, you know, you may think that the approach to, to dealing with hurt is by getting it out. So if someone says something, does something to me or says something bad to me, the way I should heal is by telling 10 people about what they did. And the term comes to you know, there's such a thing called so it changes that. So there could be words that a person would come up with which are against the Torah, but something which is fundamental to, to ourselves, so that's going to be in concert and coherent to the Torah. But that's a great question. Okay, gents, I'm going to end this, I'm going to end this meeting. Um,